Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and on today's podcast, we are continuing our series previewing the Falcons' 2021 roster. Today, we're going to look at the tight end position group. This one is interesting, and to talk about it with me, I've brought on one of our writers. He is uh, at the Falcoholic, previously with AtlantaFalcons.com, the incredibly talented Will McFadden. Will, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, as a former tight self, I feel extremely qualified to talk about Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. And, you know, as, as somebody who was once at their level, you, know, you, you couldn't have had anybody better on to, uh, to talk about these guys. So you're, you, the pleasure is all yours, I'm sure. Oh, it, it 100% is. And uh, I do have to say that your agent reached out to my people and we were able to make this happen. So, Oh, oh good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, let's just jump into it. Um, you you mentioned the the top name sort of on the list of every Falcons fan, um, and for good reason. I mean, to be blunt, the Falcons put a lot of draft capital into a position that is not normally drafted inside the top five. Yeah, uh, tight end is not considered, you know, in many circles to be uh, a premium position. Not in the same way a quarterback or a pass rusher, or maybe even wide receiver is, and yet. At number four, the Falcons took out of Florida um, tight end Kyle Pitts. Uh, he is inarguably one of the most intriguing prospects uh, we've seen in this position possibly ever. Uh, and I, I don't think we're exaggerating that. This, this kid has got uh, the physical tools. But on top of that, you know, the word coming out about this guy is he is a hard worker. He's incredibly smart, dedicated to his craft. Um, there is a lot of hope and a lot of hype behind Kyle Pitts. So uh, with that, you know, we're, we're doing the preview of this position group. It has to start with him. Uh, so Will, what are your thoughts on Pitts and, and maybe his outlook for this year and, and into the future, really? Well, I, I mean, I don't think anybody has to take our word for how good Kyle Pitts was perceived <laughs> as, as being a prospect. I mean, Mel Kuyper himself said he is the most talented, highest graded that he has ever had in all of his years of evaluating college prospects. So with that comes a lot of expectation. And mm -hmm. that's where ultimately I think it will come down to his mental makeup, you know, his, his ability to usually with the Falcons, what you could always say was, well, they, they can learn from somebody like Julio and, with Julio no longer being there, I mean, he would have been the exact perfect person to kind of manage somebody like Kyle Pitts because yeah. when the Falcons moved all the way up to take him, that then carried the same level of expectations that I think we're talking about Kyle Pitts right now. So it's a shame that those two guys aren't there, but I think that looking at, you know, maybe using Julio Jones as the, the best possible example, even if he's not that I, the Falcons at least do have a track record and I know it's a new regime and things like that, but Anthony Robinson is still 
they're, they're a college scouting director. And so I, I think that they've had a pretty good track record with skill position guys uh, on the offense and especially certain physical traits that they're looking for. And the really cool thing about Kyle Pitts is you can immediately identify one area where as a rookie, he should dominate and that's the red zone. But you can also identify three or four other aspects of his game where if he develops those and they're already far along for a rookie, but if he develops those to a, even a pro bowl caliber level, combining all of those elements together should make him an all pro and one of the best tight ends probably to ever play the game. So it's, there's immediate, you can envision how in this offense with all the crazy upside that a player with his very unique skill sets offers. And I think that's why Falcons fans more than anything should be looking forward to not just seeing Kyle Pitts in 2021, but in the next three, four, five years and just see that growth and maturity because when it's all said and done, I think it's going to be a, a good stretch of pure dominance. But the, <laughs> the, the journey is almost as fun as the endpoints sometimes and being able to yeah. see the leaps that a player makes. This is the base point and let's get ready for a really fun ride, hopefully. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you brought up Julio Jones and I think that's a great comparison point for him. You know, it, many of us remember Julio's first year. I mean, he was great, but I don't think we fully saw his greatness for another three or, you know, two or three years after that. You know, 2011, he certainly had a decent rookie year, but um, it really wasn't until 2015, 2014, that time frame where we started to realize, oh my God, this guy may literally be the best in the league. Um, and I feel like we're going to have a similar uh, conversation about Kyle Pitts, as you noted, in a few years. Uh, when he actually starts to hit his potential. The thing that blows him out, this kid is 20 years old. He is still <laughs> just 20 years old. He could legitimately be in Atlanta, uh, assuming everything works out you know, the way we hope it does, for 12, 15 years. Uh, this is, you know, the Falcons are getting a young player, but they're getting a, for, for being 20 years old, he is a very, very refined player already coming out. Um, and obviously, six foot six, one of the longest wingspans uh, in NFL draft history, I think over the past 20 years. So, mm-hmm. and if you watched any of uh, the clips from him uh, from Florida over the past two years, his catch radius is unbelievable. Yes. He can high point the ball. Uh, he catches it low, which was something I saw repeatedly where the balls were at his ankles and he was digging it out of the dirt, which is incredibly impressive for someone that tall. Uh, to be able to catch those balls that are, you know, thrown sort of uh, at ankle height. Um, and I, I've i said this before, and I'm just going to put it out there because uh, I remember watching this other player in college and thinking uh, at the time, this is a guy who's going, he can't be stopped in college. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he could be stopped in the pros. And it, it ended up being true because his catch radius was insane. He could literally take on triple teams. That was Calvin Johnson. And it's it's a very difficult comparison to make, but I see a lot of similar traits between the two. I have a feeling Matt Ryan is going to love throwing the ball to this kid. As you mentioned, I think the immediate impact, and I agree wholeheartedly, is going to be in the red zone. But I've got to think as well that they're going to love using him across the middle of the field, daring safeties or linebackers to try mm-hmm. to keep up with him. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's where it all comes into play, right? I mean, you, you could ask him to, to do And that's where I, like, I think that for the 2021 season, all of the talk about Julio gone and can Calvin and then can Russell Gage step up to the number two, that's all well and good. I think the tight end position is the most important position offensively mm-hmm. for Atlanta in yes. 2021, because not only do you have a, an offensive play caller who I think can be very creative. Now, sometimes the benefit of the running back, sometimes that's to the benefit of the receiver, sometimes the benefit of the tight end. But the number one best piece offensively in terms of versatility, I believe, is tight end. And yeah. Yeah. the way that teams are moving to become a more pass-oriented uh, offensively, tight end has always been uh, an important position, you know, regardless of which era that you're in. But it now, to me, is kind of like the, the fullback in the run-heavy eras of football mm-hmm. in that you know the way that you lined up your fullback was supposed to give you an advantage in some way, shape, or form, whether it was a you know cross-formation block that sealed off an end so that you could pull your tackle and allow him to be the lead block, or you just ISOed right down the hole and you took on the Mike linebacker. Like the, the fullback was your way to gain an advantage offensively. I think tight end has now become that. Yes. And Kyle Pitts can is essentially a pseudo wide receiver as well. And you mentioned he's 20 years old. He's going to be a pseudo wide receiver for six, seven, eight years because that's going to be his prime and he shouldn't mm-hmm. start to lose any of that physical ability. So, oh, by the way, and I'm sure we'll get to him in a second, Hayden Hurst <laughs> could be a number one tight end on many teams. So you also you have essentially two starting caliber tight ends, one of whom can play a variety of receiver positions for you. So that gives you all of the flexibility personnel-wise, formation-wise. Matt Ryan should be able to figure out everything that a defense is doing because I think that Arthur Smith is going to use the different pieces at his disposal to essentially dictate to the defense, okay, here's how we're going to line up. We're going to motion this guy and you're going to reveal your hand to us. Matt Ryan, if, if he is declining physically, he's certainly not declining mentally. That to me is where he is going to love Kyle Pitts oh, because yeah. it's, it's like when you, it's the queen on the chessboard. He can do <laughs> whatever you need him to do and really just put a defense in such a tough spot. So yeah, he's going to love throwing to him in the red zone and I'm sure down the middle of the field and all of that stuff. But I think he's going to love the the chess match that he allows him to play with defenses because this this has a chance to really, really mess with some good defenders heads. Oh, yeah. I, I think we're going to see a lot of 12 formation, um, which for for those who are not into the NFL vernacular, uh, the first number represents number of running backs. Second number represents uh, number of tight ends. So it would be one running back, two tight ends, uh, and obviously two wide receivers. So but I you can could do that and be four wide, essentially. A- absolutely. And I yeah. think, you know, as a defense, if you see a 12, uh, you're, you're going to trot out a, a base defense because you're expecting a run with two tight ends in. And all of a sudden, instead of having a nickel corner or even a dime corner out there, you've got, a li- you know, linebackers. And, and, linebacker. and oh, by the way, if, if, you, if you flip that, and let's say, okay, we know what these guys like to do. And you do bring out 
um, you know, your, your smaller guys expecting, okay, they are going to go four wide. Mm-hmm. You just motion your two tight ends in and you audible the play and then you hammer Mike Davis, you know, off, off the guard. Yeah. And, and you're at a mismatch that in the box. So it's like, it works either way, which is why it's so awesome. Yeah. And this is, I think honestly, this is going to be the formation we're going to see uh, just a predominance of from the Falcons this year. And it was something to be fair that we saw a lot of in Tennessee in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is precedence for it. We're not just saying that because of the personnel. Uh, this was a formation that Arthur Smith used to a plume in Tennessee. More, more than anybody else last year. Yes, absolutely. And so we, we say that because he has a history of doing it, but now he also has really the perfect personnel with which to run that. Now, Will, you, you brought up the second name on this list, and I want to go straight to him because I feel like he's the odd man out here. Um, the the Falcons did not pick up his fifth-year option, um, which was not entirely surprising because I think, you know, realistically, you pick up the fifth-year option for somebody you expect to be your number one starter at that position. Um, it was a no-brainer to pick it up for Calvin Ridley because he was going to be wide receiver one. But for Hurst, it's clear that he would be the secondary tight end on the roster behind Pitts because of the commitment they made to him. That said, I don't think that that means that uh, Hurst is relegated to some backup duty. I think, as you just said, and as we just pointed out, I think he's going to have a big role this year, uh, even with Kyle Pitts uh, essentially being tight end one and leapfrogging him, at least uh, on paper for, for right now. Um, so you mentioned it earlier, Hayden Hurst is a very capable receiver in his own right, could be a number one tight end on many rosters in the NFL. What are your thoughts on the Falcons having this guy essentially is as the number two tight end? Well, I, I think it makes, I think it immediately makes your, the backside of your play as threatening as the front side. <laughs> um, and I, I would say that, look, e- even for as good as Kyle Pitts is, it take the thing about uh, kind of a tight end that takes probably as much time as anything to transition is blocking. And I don't know. Yes. For again, as good as Kyle Pitts is, I don't think coming out Florida that we're all sitting here saying, man, the dude is one of the best inline blockers. So <laughs> to me, I think he's, he can get there. I don't know if he'll ever be great at it. I, I think that honestly, he's probably just too damn long and, uh, athletic to like really be a just great hunker down blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think that that is why we will see him maybe spread out a little bit more than just purely in line. So that's where I think Hayden Hurst still fits his additional Y tight end with, you know, his hand in the dirt is able to, to give you something. And, you know, they also brought in Lee Smith and, and, and they'll have their traditional blocking role type of, of tight ends. But even on plays where Kyle Pitts is is essentially in a tight end, is maybe you know split out in in the slot a little bit, that's probably still your front side. And if Hayden Hurst is in line, kind of on that left side or whatever in the, in this position in this uh, example, I'm envisioning you know the play going to the right. Hayden Hurst is is still on the line of scrimmage on your left side, hand in the dirt, whatever. That gives. Matt, a quick option if, if let's say the play is a boot, quick, three yard, four yard, five yard out, Hayden yeah. Hurst is there. If it's one of these longer, slow crossing routes, you know, the under Sam over Mike type of thing, Hayden Hurst can run that route really well. The mm-hmm. thing that the dirt cutter always said, and, and Dan Quinn always reiterated, which 
didn't strike me watching him in Baltimore, but they always said that he was such a good vertical downfield seam tight end. And I saw that at times in, in training camp and in practice, and he made some amazing catches just basically beating him and, and running a vertical. So I wonder if we're going to see more instances of that. But while all the defense is looking at Kyle Pitts or looking at <laughs> Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst is a phenomenal He's automatically, I think, the best number two tight end in the league right now. Yes, hands down. Uh, so I, I think that on the plays where they ask Kyle Pitts maybe to not be a tight end and, and Hayden's the de facto number one, he's still a starting captain, so you don't lose anything there. And on the plays where it is kind of a true 12 personnel and both Pitts and Hurst are tight ends, you can go to either side of that play with confidence and, and with somebody who can you know, not only make the average play but potentially make a big play as we saw from Hayden Hurst in the Cowboys game I mean envision that a lot as everybody's looking at number eight run down the field (laughs) and and what you just pointed out with the two of them on the field it's almost a guarantee that uh, with Calvin on one side Russell on the other they're going to take the top two corners Um, Calvin will probably take some safety help as well over the top um, potentially based on you know the formation they start off with uh, which means Kyle Pitts is probably going to draw either your your next safety or your best linebacker, which means Hayden Hurst is going to essentially often draw a one-on-one matchup with your second or third uh, best coverage linebacker. And there are very few teams in the NFL that have great coverage linebackers across the board. And that is going to be a favorable matchup for Hayden Hurst, I think repeatedly throughout the season, unless they, they go up against, you know, some of the best defenses in the league. And they'll, they'll certainly do that with Tampa Bay. I think, I think they'll, I think they'll see a lot of zone this yes. year. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's inevitable uh, because it's going to be nearly impossible to try to commit uh, that many individual one-on-one matchups. You're, you're going to get beat. Someone is going to beat you in that, in those situations. Uh, but here's the thing, you know, uh, Matt Ryan uh, is, a very intelligent quarterback and he knows how to beat the zone. Um, it's something he's done very well throughout his career. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he, his physical skills may not be quite where they used to be, um, but his mental acumen, I think is still one of the best in the league. Uh, and yeah, if you're going to go, man, you're going to get beat. If you're going to go zone, uh, good luck. Uh, this is a, a really for, I think at this point, the best way to defend the Falcons 12 formation is to get to the quarterback when it's, when it's a pass. So um, now I do want to talk about the guys further down the roster because they matter. And especially in the, this position group, because uh, the running game is going to matter more this year than it has over the past several years under Dirk Cutter. But before we talk about those guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by the one and only Will McFadden. We're talking about the Falcons' tight end group heading into 2021. We've talked about the two guys at the top. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst, how excited I think both of us are, if you couldn't hear that uh, in our voices in the first half. Um, this is, to me, one of the, the most fun position groups to sort of keep our eye on for the season. But uh, the guys who are at number three, number four, and maybe even number five uh, on this roster, they matter as well, Will. And I think the, the first name that jumps to mind, he is not going to be a receiving tight end. But the Falcons clearly thought, you know, they traded for him. They clearly thought this guy was someone they wanted to have in the locker room. Uh, he is a f- phenomenal inline blocker, and maybe in the way that Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts will not be this year. Um, he is undeniably a fantastic locker room presence, um, and which I know was going to piss, piss off some of our fans. <laughs> um, but I, I think his value is being understated because um, one thing Falcons fans want to see, one thing Arthur Smith wants to see, is a successful running game again this year. And I think he's going to be a big factor in that. I'm talking about Lee Smith, uh, who we, we pulled away from the Buffalo Bills. This guy has, he's 33, okay? And I just want to reiterate this. He is 33 as a blocking tight end in the NFL. Some of you may be just sort of laughing at that. I think that is a testament to how good he is at what he does. The fact that he has lasted essentially, you know, a decade plus in this league, being doing something that is sort of an un, underappreciated aspect of uh, this position, um, and he's still going. and And the team brought him in, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt here that they knew that he was going to be the kind of guy that contributes on the field, that contributes uh, in mentoring a guy like Kyle Pitts, uh, and and it's a guy that's going to be a strong presence in the locker room. Do you feel the same way or am I overstating maybe a little bit too much what Lee Smith could mean for the Falcons this year? No, I I don't think you're overstating anything um, with that because like you said, it was notable to me that they traded for him. I mean, this was somebody who I I can't imagine now. There's always stuff behind the scenes where, um, you know, everybody kind of expects one thing or believes one find out that actually no, like two or three teams were in on this person. And Mm -hmm. so what ends up looking like maybe a head scratching move turns out to make sense in the context of all that matters really, or what these 32 teams think. (laughs) And if two of the teams thought that this dude was worth adding then and you wanted him, then yeah, that's all that matters at the end of the day. So I looked at this because he clearly does that niche. Levine Toilolo, the um, Luke Stock of blocking tight end role. And that is something where, look, if you're going to draft Kyle Pitts at at number four and you've got already kind of a receiving tight end, a little bit more of a a hybrid than a pure receiver, like an Evan Ingram type, but uh, pretty much a receiving tight end and Hayden Hurst, 
you need somebody to put out there when you need the tough yards. And that's where I think the, the move to get Lee Smith makes a lot of sense because he's cheap. I mean, he's, he's old, he's experienced, he knows what to do. He's seen a lot of situations that are going to be thrown at him. So you don't really have to, while you're working on grooming Kyle Pitts and you're working on seeing what you can get out of Hayden Hurst before you have to, whether or not to let him hit free agency next off season or whether or not he can be part of your team. That's a lot of coaching energy to invest in two players. You right. kind of need somebody over here who just knows what the hell they're doing and you don't <laughs> have to pay attention to him a lot. And that's Lee Smith. And Oh, by the way, he can help develop somebody like Kyle Pitts in the finer points of blocking. He can help Hayden Hurst in the same way. Like there, there are so many guys on football teams and in locker rooms who just kind of know their role. They come mm-hmm. in, the coaches are frank with them. They say, Hey, look, you're not here to, to get 700 yards this season <laughs> here. You're here to help us on fourth and one. You're here to help us at the two yard line. And you're here to help develop this guy that we just invested a lot in and teach him how to be a pro. And the other part of this is, I, and I don't know this for sure, but this move strikes me as the type of move where some coach on this Falcons staff has either worked directly with Lee Smith before or is very close with a coach who worked directly with Lee Smith and who was recommended very highly to the Falcons coach. So I don't know that for a fact that's pure speculation, but that's kind of what this move made me think of because in year one of, of your coaching regime, you're looking for those culture guys. You're looking for guys that, you know, operate the same way you want your team to operate. They approach it philosophically from the same way that they're going to set the tone. And that's just when I saw the Lee Smith move, that was my very first thought was, yeah. okay, this dude's coming in here to bash some heads and and to set the tone in the locker room. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what he's here to do. And it, your last point is such a poignant one because um, I'm not going to dance around it. We, we heard from many reporters once Dan Quinn was gone um, and including, you know, Jeff Schultz, uh, from the athletic, who has been covering the Falcons for, you know, quite a while that there was a distinct lack of accountability in the locker room under Dan Quinn. And I think that Arthur blank and, uh, you know, the rest of the Falcons ownership felt like that was something that had to be corrected. And it's one thing for the coach to establish the locker room and, and what he expects out of his players but that coach needs someone, he needs several guys, several leaders, several veterans to carry that message into the locker room to every single player to make sure it resonates, to make sure that they're hearing it. It's one thing for the coach to do it and to, to you know reinforce what his, his expectations are. But you need those guys, those guys like Lee Smith and the Matt Ryan, these veterans who have made a long career in the NFL to reinforce that message to every single guy on the roster. And I think to your point, very strong one. I, and I agree wholeheartedly. I think Lee Smith is that guy. He's going to be one of those guys. He's going to come in. He's going to bash heads. Like he said, he's going to be in there on fourth and one. Uh, he's going to be in there on, on third and short, and he's going to get at most seven yards receiving. <laughs> um, but this is a guy that's going to help um, Arthur Smith and his coaching staff from the inside revamp what the locker room is because that apparently was an issue over the past several years with this team. And uh, if Arthur Smith is going to rebuild this roster in the way that he wants to, 
he needs guys like this who are going to carry that message for him. And I think that's a very important point. Um, so we may not see him on the stat line much, but I think his impact will be seen uh, in other ways. And, and that's something I'm very interested to see and see how that plays out. Yeah. Right. And, and I just real quick, I, I don't want to yeah. necessarily like, there are absolutely some, some good leaders and players still in this locker room. It's sure. not that, that the accountability thing certainly was a factor, but I do think that the, the locker room uh, probably did need a full overhaul, but yes, an infusion of new people, just like there was in 2015 and 2016. Right. I'm a firm believer in, in turnover within the locker room to keep guys motivated, keep guys hungry, get new perspectives. Big believer in that. I think that that's all well and good, but there are some good young leaders, I think, uh, on this Falcons roster already. Yeah, absolutely. And they just, they need as many of those voices as they can get, especially yes. for a new coach, a yep. new coach that is coming in his first time. He's trying to instill his mantra uh, and overcome. And, and the other thing is, I think people underestimate this. Dan Quinn was loved by the players. We heard that repeatedly. Mm -hmm. um, so in many ways, uh, Arthur Smith has to overcome that to some extent where uh, you know, he's coming in, he's probably changing things up and there are going to be some players who be like, ah, oh, I miss, I miss, uh, I miss DQ. I miss, you know, the way he used to do things. And you need guys in the locker room who are going to shut that stuff down. Um, and as many voices as possible. So um, now granted, he, Lee Smith still has to go on the field and perform. But at, at this point, as a 33 year old blocking tight end, who has had a long career in the NFL, I think that is actually the least of our concerns with him. I think he is a solid vet that you're going to be able to count on in that regard. All right. Last uh, couple guys I want to mention, because um, a lot of us feel like the Falcons may carry four tight ends on the roster this year. It makes a ton of sense with what Arthur Smith uh, wants to do offensively, uh, the formations he uses, uh, the importance of the tight end position. So two of the names I think are probably going to be in competition for that fourth tight end spot. Uh, Jaden Graham, who, uh, you know, as an undrafted free agent uh, has made the roster the past two years. He was on the practice squad as a rookie. Um, this will be his, uh, uh, I think his third or fourth year, you know, out of Yale. And he is a guy who I think a lot of us saw in training camp thinking if he gets a shot, he could be a decent rotational tight end. Um, and then they also brought in uh, Parker Hesse, who is uh, roughly the same age. Jaden Graham is 25. He is 26. Um, he is someone that I think has a little bit of, of a history with um, Arthur Smith. Uh, but these guys, again, you know, it, it's easy to sort of dismiss tight end four. They're going to be called upon here and there to be able to contribute. And I think that, at least for me, Jaden Graham, in the time that he's been in Atlanta, has shown himself to be a decent uh, third option as a tight end. He, he can catch the ball. Uh, he's not uh, he's not the most athletic, but I think he is a, a better receiver than some people give him credit for. He's actually a fairly decent uh, run blocker uh, and pass blocker. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this fourth spot? Do you feel like it, it's likely that the Falcons carry four tight ends? Um, and do you think these are the two guys to sort of pay attention to if they do? Um, I will, I'll answer your first question first. I, I do, <laughs> I definitely think they carry four. Um, I think that has less to do with the actual tight end position, um, as much as it does special teams, just with the way that special teams has evolved and, you know, no longer the wedges can be played. You're not looking at, you know, these massive 
defensive linemen or offensive yeah. linemen running down to be wedge busters. It's, it's now guys who can play in space. And honestly, Jaden Graham has been every, the past two seasons, I've made it a point to anytime there's been a punt or a kickoff, Jaden Graham, because he is one of the most fun players to watch on Sundays. If you are paying attention to special teams, <laughs> because the dude finishes with, I swear, a tackler to every single and it's always a big hit and it's, and there's a celebration coming afterwards. So I'm a, I'm a big Jaden Graham fan. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm biased because I, I've spoken to him before and I like him, but he, he definitely does have uh, the receiving and athletic qualities. I, I think that that's a part of his game. That's a little bit ahead of um, his run blocking ability. I, and when he's gotten some opportunities, he's made the most of them. I don't know if he's, ever going to become like a, a impact starter or even maybe like an average starter in the league. There, there's just some, some part it's like, he's maxed out the skill set that he has. Right. And it's a very, very good skill set. And only 200 people in the world have, have anything <laughs> close to that. But just when you're talking about the NFL, it's a little bit, it's how you're able to succeed on special teams. But then when you're going up against Levante David, you know, maybe you're just not going to win those battles. So I like Jaden Graham a lot because of what he'll bring on special teams. I don't know much, frankly, about Parker Hesse. And it Same is here. notable that he spent, you know, 2019 and 2020 on the Titans practice squad. So there is obviously a lot of familiarity there with, with Arthur Smith, who, knows very well the tight ends from Tennessee, whether or not he, uh, you know, it's notable too, that he went to um, Iowa, I believe, and they've got a, a yes. history of putting out some really good tight ends in, in the league. George Kittle, ever heard of him? Um, <laughs> it kind of comes down to me. What is, what is his thing? Because again, with two of your, your top two tight ends are more, receiver oriented you've got one primary blocking tight end if if hesse is is just a really strong sure blocker he might in my mind get the nod over Jaden, even factoring the the special teams because i'm sure that he's at least a decent player as well if that's how they need him but Jaden to me coming in here probably with with the advantage even given arthur smith's uh, past history with Hesse because at least Jaden Graham has played in NFL games right. and he's got that tape and and the fact that he's still around I think means something um, plus he's he's a veteran on special teams and I do think that is absolute when NFL rosters are being put together yeah um, as uh, my friend of me from the Locked On Falcons podcast Aaron Freeman will say <laughs> uh, special teams matters uh fantastic point will and uh, honestly it, it does matter uh you know to be very serious that that con contribution on special teams uh those guys who get out there and and not just uh participate but relish the opportunity to get out there and uh, make plays on special teams they're the guys that sort of edge out uh the ones who are just doing it in in service of the role and I, I too like Jaden Graham. Um, I feel like he's a he's a smart player. Uh, he's a guy that has uh, you know it, it, he can contribute. He he's got a role uh, on this team, and he's shown you know over the past couple of years that he doesn't have to be 
uh, a guy that's racking up stats. And, and to your very good point, you know, he's someone that can show up on special teams on a weekly basis. That has a ton of value. Um, now, whether or not uh, this new coaching staff sees it the same way is something that we're going to all figure out because uh, obviously we don't know what Arthur Smith is going to prioritize. And, and you made a great point. You know, we have two receiving tight ends, essentially one blocking tight end. What's that fourth tight end? What's that expectation there? Is it going to be special teams? Is it going to be uh, someone that's diverse? Is it going to be someone that's more you know block focused? And uh, this remains to be seen. This is part of what um, you know for us, for those of us who, who cover the team and, and look at these things. These are the little questions where um, we we have no idea. This new coaching staff, uh, what their priorities are going to be. So this even though it's tight end four <laughs> and right. Like we're not going to write dissertations about uh, the tight end four position in the, for the Falcons in 2021. Um, these positions often are the ones where uh, those, the 53 man roster is rounded out. Um, yep. And, you know, we know the top three guys are, are almost a lock at this point. Um, but the, 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 that fourth tight end is the guy you know, when we're looking at uh, that weekend when the roster cuts come in, you know, right before the regular season begins, for you and I, Will, when we're writing about that stuff, these are the guys we're actually thinking about. Because we know Lee Smith, we know Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, they're basically a, they're basically secured. Um, it, it's these positions where the final battles really are rounded out on the roster. And to me, that's what makes them really interesting. Um, yeah. No, I so, usually know about like 45 of the guys heading into – yeah to that final cut. And then it's, it's eight or so that you're really debating between. Yeah. And it's uh, for those of us who are passionate about um, the entire roster, these battles matter. Um, we, we, we love it. Uh, I'd love it. Um, and I know Will, that uh, with the way you've covered this team, that these are the kind of things you pay a ton of attention to as well. Um, so Will, any final thoughts on this tight end position group, your overall sort of expectation or hope for what this group is going to be like in 2021. Man, I just hope Kyle Pitts is amazing. <laughs> like just it, I I want the whole group to be good. I Hayden Hurst is is really fun to have. I just hope Kyle Pitts comes out here and makes not that this is going to ever be the case, but makes everybody forget about Julio and just <laughs> gets gets everybody excited and, and it's really hard for like you can do the research there are not a lot of uh, success stories from rookie in NFL history. Uh, Mike yeah. Dick is the only one to go over a thousand receiving yards. At the very least, again, I think he'll be a monster in the red zone. I think he'll be a like a red zone channel favorite for that exact reason. Um, <laughs> I just would love to see him kind of not be every. I mean, if he is everything that that he was advertised, then great but that's not necessarily my expectation. I just want him to be a fun young player that gets better as the year goes along, shows us flashes, you know, like Julio did in year one, because it wasn't every single week of dominance with him at that point. And we shouldn't have expected that at that point. This is the NFL. And these are, this is a 20 year old coming in into a league with grown men. And so, no, he's not going to dominate every single week. He needs to learn how to be a pro, but give us those flashes of every third game. There's just a jaw dropping play where you're like, I didn't know that somebody could do that. That would be (laughs) awesome. And that's what I'm expecting uh, from the tight end position in Atlanta this year. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like we're all sort of wanting it to be year three for Kyle Pitts yeah. right now. And it, it, to your point, yeah, it's probably unrealistic. Um, I will be giddy if he pulls in a thousand yards and like eight, 12 touchdowns, you know, that's going to be fantastic. But setting that sort of expectation, even for someone with his athletic profile and his promise is probably, you know, really getting ahead of ourselves. That said, I think to your point, seeing some of those highlights and getting a glimpse into what the future is going to look like um, could go a long, long way for making fans feel better about the departure of one of the best players in uh, Falcons history and potentially one of the best players um, ever at the position in Julio Jones. Um, so with that said, I, I I'm with you. I feel good about this uh, tight end group, um, but we, we probably should pump the brakes just a little bit, but only a little bit um, as we head into the season. Uh, Will, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, as always, it is, uh, I feel like every time we get you on, it's, it's a, it's a like, a fantastic podcast. I just really enjoy having you on. So <laughs> why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on? Oh, I appreciate that, DW. I, I enjoy it as well. Um, well, if you guys obviously like this podcast, you can check me out at, at my own podcast. Uh, it's Believe in Falcons, spelled B-L-E-A-V. Um, we do once a week. And just now that training camp's we're going to have a lot more to talk about. So that'll be fun. Um, and then of course you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden and also at, uh, on the Falcoholic right now. Currently I'm working on the Atlanta Jersey history series, which you may or may have not seen. Um, but basically just trying to figure out who is the best Atlanta athlete in the city's history to wear each number. Uh, and then at the end, probably we'll look back at everything, do some superlatives. What's the most underrated number? What's the most overhyped number? What's the best number overall? So just super dorky uh, jersey <laughs> uniform stuff. So check that out if you guys want. It's, it is a fun series. I've enjoyed it. And uh, seeing Trey Young wear number 11 and go up against uh, um, Julio Jones is, is obviously uh, something to to get torn up about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it is. So as for you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. You can follow updates for this pod at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our article is daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Will McFadden, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.